We're probably in the top 1% of people in the world who actually know how to do this stuff. Yes. Somehow. <laughs> yeah. <We've>, we're elites. <laughs> Take that, high school guidance counselor. You ever get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up? You know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. Let's see. <laughs> now look. Here's a house full of bees. You think the honey badger cares? It doesn't give a shit. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Price is right. Guns don't kill people. All right, you got me. Dead Prez. Dead Prez. Yeah. They uh, rap group from New York. Yeah. That song is a cool song, and they... Uh, I like the name. Yeah. They... Uh, that was a song that... Is that new? No. Okay. No, it's old. That was the song that Dave Chappelle used in his... Uh, in his... What was the name of his show on Comedy Central? Uh, Wasn't this the Chappelle, Chappelle show? show? Right. It's a creative name. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, just a cool song. That cool that, groove. That kind of, I just had a thought that yesterday I uh, went out to meet my wife for lunch and I was walking, I parked my, dude, by the way, can, can you answer something for me? I'll try. What is, what is with switch, switching out the parking meters, which were already a pain in the ass, with the new ones where you have to go back? Or take a photo of your license plate, type in the license plate, get the slip, and then put... Oh, are you talking about the one where you have to pay for the ticket? Right. And then you put the paper ticket on your dashboard? Exactly. Yeah. Well, Matt, as you can imagine, people were totally ripping off the city Uh by using those pay stubs in more than one location. Okay. So... God... This is what this is about, right? This is what I guess. People like that, that are what's wrong with this country today. If you pay for one spot... You even if you paid for two hours and you only stayed there for twenty minutes, you do not take that slip to the next That's, spot. You go buy another slip, sir, because you're in a new parking spot, which is clearly deserving of a new piece of paper. I t- told my wife that, Mom. Can you, this is what I assume it's why they're doing this. At, I mean, and by the way, like we are paying for this for them to swap out these meters with these these new ones. We have to put in your license plate, right? Yeah. And I was like, is it because like people were using it more Wait, they're, they're swapping out the... Yeah, the, they're taking out the old meters and putting in... They can't just update the software? No. No. That's not how bureaucracy works. And yeah. so I'm like, I'm assuming it's so people don't double dip with their tickets or they go, hey, buddy, I'm leaving here. You want this ticket? It's got 45 minutes left on it. Right. And I was like, can you think of a better way for 
Well, that well, must for politicians to express to their citizens like this is we have nothing but disdain for you. <laughs> Do you guys get that? Now? That must be the reason because even with the right license plate number on that, you could use it in multiple spots, right? Because the the meter yeah. makes you put in the zone, yeah, that you're in, yeah. So it's so that you can't give it to someone else. Exactly. Oh my God! It's even worse <laughs> than I thought. It is. It Dude. always is. And we're going to get there today. Trust me. Uh, I didn't mean... Hold on. Okay. What, what did you just say? You're like, That's why people hate bureaucracy or something? Yes. Dude. It's always way worse than you think. Did you hear Janet Yellen talking about the IRS? No. So she was being questioned on uh, Capitol Hill. <clears throat> and this guy asked her, why do you think it is that nobody likes the IRS? <laughs> you know what her reason was? Uh, right-wing extremism. An opinion on what the IRS's reputation is amongst the country. Have you done any polling or anything like that to see what, what generally taxpayers think, middle, wealthy people, bottom... Bottom, bottom feeders. Mean, are they, they kind of like the National Park Service? Are they a little different? What, what do you think their impression is? Well, it's extremely negative because the IRS has been s- starved for resources. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're just not big enough, Matt. That's why people hate the IRS. Oh, wow. Okay. It's not because they're the only organization that's sole purpose is to steal from you. I might have to take a break and take a walk around the block. <laughs> <laughs> just decompress for a second. Oh. That is amazing. Yeah, isn't it? Can you believe that shit? Yeah, I can. I, I can. Know. Nothing surprises me anymore. Uh, going back to what we were saying before is while I was walking, I heard, cause I was listening to that song. It has like the crazy heavy bass on it. And mm-hmm. so I was like, is this new? And then I heard the fucking like the, and I was like, you don't really see that anymore. That's kind of a nineties thing. Yeah. And then, uh, this car comes around and it's always funny because it's always, I don't know, at least these days, it's always someone in just like the full like beater car. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to draw attention to themselves. These dudes are like super shady looking. But yeah, it's always like license plate rattling. Like, yeah. Check out my 96 Dodge Stratus. Woo! Exactly. It's just like, everyone's looking at you bucket. now. Yeah. I was like, and it, I just thought, I was like, I haven't seen the uh, car rattling bass, I think, in like a decade. That's the deluxe bucket. That's the deluxe bucket. Yes. I like that. You remember my band, the deluxe bucket? I do. Yes. That's what it was named after that. It was always the Nissan Sentra. That had like <laughs> yeah. nice like chrome uh, details to it, like the the frame around the wheel well was like chrome for some reason. <laughs> yeah, and just rattling to all hell, just dropping like extra money on uh, pimping out your four thousand dollars second hand car. Yeah, like y- you spent a fortune on it, but you did it like fourteen dollars at a time. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> at like Napa, at the the stuff yes. you can buy on the counter at Napa. <laughs> and thank you for not making the parallel between that and my outdoor kitchen, which is all the works <laughs> I've been working on. It's coming along. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Got the concrete poured. Yep. Got those posts painted. Uh, I had an I had an interesting. Uh, interaction yesterday is I was home all day with my son. My wife was working and, and he was kind of bouncing off the walls. I've been cutting firewood every day, all day. We got this, I dropped a huge oak tree a while back on our property and I've just been slowly cutting it up and I gave myself to the end of this weekend. I'm going to finish it today. But anyway, I walked down to the store 
And uh, there's this girl working there, and I see her there all the time she's at a little corner store. And she's younger. She's got to be like 21, 22, something Is like she that. the based one that we were talking about last episode? Yes. Okay. Yeah, re- she's really nice. Like a really nice girl. Mm-hmm. Like always got a great attitude. Seems to be really good at her job. Always wearing the mask, which is I'm always just oh. and young. So you might be thinking of someone else. You were saying that, yeah. Because yeah. I asked you last time if the girl was wearing a mask. Because you were talking about the old lady with the chin. Oh, oh okay. No, okay, yeah. I'm talking about someone else. Okay, yeah. The, um, I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. But, oh, you know, nice, and I just I, I just don't care anymore. I'm interested as someone that's fascinated by the human condition. Her name's Connor, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, your arch nemesis is no longer employed at said establishment. I don't know if you I had nothing that. to do with that, <laughs> for the record. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, she's ringing me up. She goes, hey, I really like your hat. And I didn't know what hat I was wearing. I was like, oh. I took it off, looked at it, and it's a from a place called Sportsman's Arms here in the county, which is a firearms dealer. And I believe we're having the owner of said business on the podcast. Yes. Next week. Next week. And it has a little outline drawing of an AR on there. So I said, thanks. And I'm like, that's kind of interesting. I mean, according to the stereotype in my head, still wearing the mask. I assume like you're not a gun person. I mean, everything's a, a, a tribal binary now, as we're always yep. discussing in this. Yep. And, but uh, she, and it, it you know, had that, that AR style drawing on there. And I was like, that's kind of a specific thing that she just pointed out. And it just made me kind of think that I was like, are you, you interested in guns at all? Or obviously. Uh, yeah. I said something. She goes, yeah, yeah. She goes, I actually, I'm banned from wearing stuff like that. I was like, banned from at work, banned from where? Yeah. And she goes here. I'm like, Oh really? She goes, yeah, I had a sweatshirt with a little drawing of an AR on there. And someone complained. And I just went into this, like, I was kind of in my head because I've been cutting firewood all day. So I was just like, thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. And I said, like, well, <clears throat> you know, some people think they're helping. You know, they're making a difference by doing something like that. Some people just like being upset and offended. Other people have no locus of control or authority in their life. And so they have to exert power somewhere. And mm-hmm. this is what you do. And I was like, I, not that you're asking me for advice or anything, but... Um, I would ensure and put your places, your pieces of life in place to such an extent that you don't, number one, never interact with people like that or never have to, and definitely make sure that they never have any kind of dominion over you. So become self-sufficient, you know, become, a, just remove any potential authority from above you. What'd she say? <laughs> and Sorry, I re- did I say all that out loud? <laughs> I realized that I've been going. And she, because all I can see her eyes, she's wearing the mask, is she... Just had these wide eyes, and she goes, uh, "Thanks." And you the, want paper? And the girl, plastic. the girl next to her who had bagged my stuff up, like had kind of like looked, had walked over to like to catch the middle of this, and she goes, "Yeah, have a nice day." <laughs> Just started laughing. I'm all sorry. It's like uh, David Lynch had produced an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> Just went on this insane like authoritarian rant <laughs> to some like two random like. 21-year-old girls are like, I, we don't think about these things at all. Well, you should, young lady. <laughs> Interesting uh, cross-section there, or uh, what's the thing called with the two circles? The three. Oh, three Tomahurst. circles, right, the Venn diagram. <laughs> uh, a mask-wearing gun lover. Well, I think that the, the, the mm-hmm. concerns 
are based on what we should all be concerned about. But <clears throat> the, the solutions have right. to be and include what we are doing in terms of going forward in terms uh, of investments. Wow. Well, okay. Mic yeah. drop right there. Buddy. When you put it that way, yeah. it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the Venn diagram. Yeah, the mask-wearing gun lover. You don't see a lot of those. Yeah. Although I have noticed that guns tend to be, it must be my own personal uh, anecdotal experience, guns tend to be an issue that spans the political spectrum. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I feel like that you and I have had an inordinate exposure to this phenomenon being from where we're from, which is extremely rural, and it's half, I mean, when I was growing up at least, because the, the, big, the big issue was trees, not, not logging, logging, because half the community yeah. is logging and ranchers, half the community are hippies, because you know, back in the day where we're from, it used to be, a, it was like, it's, it's perfectly half redneck and hippie, yeah. but those people have so much in common. Yes, it's at the end of the day. I mean, everyone got along really well, except yeah. for this one tree debate. <laughs> you know that that's that which was the hot button when I was a kid. But if you think about it, like, well, actual the real hippies, true hippies are pretty redneck, and and true rednecks are pretty hippie. Like, care very much about the land. I mean, they're, yeah. they're directly connected to it. Right. And the hippies are like, no, I just I I want to be left alone. I don't want the cops out here. And it's like you guys got like, it's amazing how much these people have in common. Yeah, they're all into. Smoking weed. <clears throat> yes. Right? Only one half admits it, though. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, like you said, love the land. Um, very self-sufficient. They all love they all, old, old country music. They all, gr- exactly. And they blue, all grow their grass. own food. Yep. Yeah. Very similar. Yes. But you don't see that with the hippies in, like, San Francisco. No, that's it a was that special, like, rural Northern California right, hippie. Right, right. People and, actually live on the land. Yeah. Um. I wanted to ask you something. Mm-hmm. Can you think of the happiest period of your life? And we're going to talk about how we define happy. Okay. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Ha- can you define happy for me first? Or do you want me to define I, happy? I can't really. Because I have always... Here's, I, here's I, the impetus for it. Okay. Is that a study comes out every year and they quantify levels of happiness. And the metric which they use, which is extremely juvenile, is... Uh, very happy, pretty happy, happy, not really happy, and I'd put the last one's probably a sad, a smiley face emoji, <laughs> a frowning emoji, you know, given the juvenile metrics that we're using. And all categories, and they've been doing this study, I think, since the 50s, have re- remained more or less kind of static. They haven't really changed. Except Is this for, the same study that... One. that uh... Found the Scandinavian countries to be the happiest? No, that's something else. That's uh, I know that study because when you look at the they, they, don't, they don't they don't call it happiness. They I think they call it satisfaction, which we're going to get into yeah in a little bit. But this one, well, that was an interesting study. Not to derail you yeah. at all, but that one when you found out that Denmark was the happiest country in the world, when you really look at the methodology of that study, it was something like um, people were claiming that they were happy because. They knew their lot in life, and they were never going to get, you know, advance or right. get any better than they were yesterday. And they were just all, satisfied all, with the, just they, mediocrity. Like, they, they, what? <laughs> That's how you <laughs> evaluate happiness? <laughs> Keep me out of that country, please. Mediocrity, Hillsway. Horrible. 
is the only category that has gone down starting in 1972 is the very happy category, which has been on a constant downslide hmm. every year. So I started thinking about that, <clears throat> about uh, which is right when Joe Biden entered politics, by the way. <laughs> I don't, don't know if that's a coincidence. 1920? Is that, <laughs> it goes back that far. Interesting. And uh, so I started thinking about, I was like, what's the happiest like, period of my life? And I started thinking about, well, when I was like 20, 19, 19, I moved to Santa Cruz. Right. And all I did was surf. That's all I did. All I cared about, all I did. And I was, gonna, I was like, I'm going to try to be a professional surfer. That's all I'm going to like do. Uh-huh. And I cared about surfing and girls and someone to buy me beer on the weekend. Like, that was it. I started thinking about, like, that was a pretty happy existence. I think about that time with, you know, very, very fond memories. Yeah. But I can't say, I mean, my life was meaningless. Yes. Like, what was I really doing? You know what I mean? Plus, if I was living like that at my age now, that'd be one of the saddest things ever. So I thought about now, I was happier then than I am now, but at no period in my life was I emotionally satiated or satisfied the way that I am now, because I have so much purpose and meaning, Mm -hmm. raising a family, having a business, having another business, you know what I mean? (laughs) And another business. another business. (laughs) Dude, stop texting me these ideas. (laughs) I only have so much time in the day. I'm sorry. They're really good ideas, though. (laughs) Is... And it, that just made me think of the delineation between happiness and actual satisfaction. Because think about it, if you were happy all the time, you'd yeah. be a fucking insane person. No one's happy all the time. Yeah. I mean, some people are. They're down at the bus depot shitting in the middle of the street. They right. seem happy. Yes. I don't think their life is very satisfying, at least from the outward looking mm-hmm. in. So, Yeah, well, I've always, well, not always, ever since I started uh, following Sai Baba, our Indian guru, mm-hmm. family guru, um, I found a difference between, or I started realizing there was a difference between happiness and contentedness, Right. which contentment is basically from what I've gathered, the goal of the, uh, aesthetic, you know, saints, yeah. the Hindu saints, the mm-hmm. Buddhist saints, whoever, Christian saints, not, not happiness, this idea of just being like having a smile on your face. And just being so happy that you just can't, you know, help yourself and just chuckling. Like, I th- that would be an insane person. I think and- by law you have to be a barista if you were wired that way. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's been my experience. Which I was uh, for a number of years. <laughs> I think that uh, contentedness is a good substitute for the word happiness when you're talking about um, talking what people usually mean by by happy. Right. And probably what you meant when you, you know, what's the, what was the happiest time of my life, you know. I got to think that the summers that I spent in Ferndale uh-huh. were uh, some of the happiest times of my life. Just absolute carefree yeah. kid enthusiasm, freedom, <clears throat> nature. Just, I mean, everything you would want for a kid. I, right. I had that upbringing. So did you. Yeah. We, um, we were we're blessed to have been... For people who don't know that, we grew up in the same hometown. It's a very, very small place, I think 1,400 people, mm-hmm. 16,000 cows, though. Mm-hmm. But it was just pure, pure country living. It's just your parents like, go do something. Yeah. And we actually had the legit dinner triangle. Remember? Nice. Uh, yeah. And when we had the house out in the country, where it's like, you'd hear that thing like, ah, got to go. That was like the only, was- only thing, that was the only time constraint I had. 
during the summers. We we had a childhood that was fifty years uh, rewound compared to most people. Right. So, yeah, we we basically grew up in the fifties, mm-hmm. the forties. Right. You know, whereas everyone else was growing up in the eighties and nineties. Speaking of, I can remember exactly <laughs> where my uh, epiphany was. Okay. I hadn't thought much about it, to tell you uh-huh. the truth. And I was, a, I was a senior in high school. And my dad was dropping me off. I remember about to get out of the car, and I looked to my right, and two well-dressed men in suits kissed each other. I mean, they gave each other a kiss. Mm-hmm. And then one went, looked like he was heading to the DuPont building, and one looked like he headed to the Hercules Corporation building. And I'll never forget, I turned How much to my dad. Botox is in that guy's it's face? Joey. It's simple. It's scary. They love each other. It's simple. No, I'm not joking. It's simple. They love each other. He clearly thought you were joking. And it's never been, it's, it's, it's never been, it's just that simple. It doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's same sex or a heterosexual couple. What if they were sitting like one inch away from each other? Like- <laughs> so listen to your auntie and your uncle. Get married. Okay, I will take something that did not happen for 500 bucks, Alex. <laughs> yeah. There is no way that that happened. There were not two well-dressed men kissing in the middle of the street. There was not uh, his dad. He didn't notice it, therefore, and his dad never said that this way ahead of his time right. statement about yeah. it's love is love, man. You know, you just got to let it so flow. Let's, let's break down some numbers. So Biden is 80 years old and this is in high school. So this would put roughly we're in 1960. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Very calm. Not, not a, not calm a time. <laughs> Everyone very accepting. Very progressive. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, way more progressive than we are now. Oh Yeah. And I'm not even bothered by, like, the constant, like, diary of the mouth that politicians have. When I'm more, like, kind of disturbed, that's what they're supposed to do. They're fucking liars. They're professional liars. They're pathological professional liars. That's what mm-hmm. they do. That's how you get the job. You can't get the job if you're not wired like that. Like, right. you are a broken soul. You're, yeah. you're a psychopath. You're a sociopath. You, you, you have no soul. If you do figure out how to get the job, you can't keep it. That's for sure. Yes. Yes, Take exactly. Tulsi Gabbard, for example. Right. And what's disturbing is the two underlying things is that he's deranged. He's mentally, like, deranged. Right? Yeah. I mean, he, he shit his pants at the Vatican, he, you know. Well, it's, it's not even because he's old, necessarily. He's a been politics sick, sick individual. Life. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And then on top, the frosting on that cake is he's, now he has dementia. So now it's like it's full force fucking clown world, everything that comes out of this guy's mouth. What's disturbing is that that interviewer who looks to be you know, relatively more cognitive yep. <laughs> and aware and intelligent and, I don't know, in control of his faculties, like, <laughs> for the most part. Free of poop. That someone could sit there and say that, you know, and this is what we call, like, the low-hanging fruit. It's such a fucking obvious lie. And then that guy just sits there and smiles like, what a, what a great story. And in 1960 of all times, like, that's yeah. just so forward-thinking. It's just, because then, I mean, like, this, what, this takes two minutes uh, of a dildo search. Uh, so this was in 1960, and not just Joe Biden, but Joe Biden's dad he was very, right. very sympathetic <laughs> to the, the, the thoughts of gay marriage. In 1973, told con- constituents he wanted 
interrogations being done on any suspected gay federal employees because he saw them as a security risk. That's in 73. 1994, he served on a board with Republicans Robert Smith from New Hampshire and Jesse Helms in North Carolina that would cut federal funds uh, for any school that taught the acceptance of homosexuality. That's 94. 96, he voted for the Defense of Marriage Act, which basically made it um, states no longer had to recognize like the states that had legalized gay marriage if they went to whatever state where it was illegal. It's like they didn't have to recognize that. So federally, it was not like it was right. a federally rec- recognized mandate. Right. That's that's all the way up to like 1996. But, and when people say, well, times were different, though. I mean, like, you know, OK, maybe he's like Obama. Like my stance is evolving. He's coming around, you know what I mean, in whatever the late 90s <laughs> to his stance on gay marriage, just like Joe Biden was, at least as compared to his voting record. It's like, well, that's the point that I'm saying. Times were different now, and you're telling me that he had this epiphany in 1960, yet you know nothing in his career supports that he's saying that. Obvious bullshit, right? Yeah. What makes bullshit. it mad, it's like, okay, now I don't want to hear this guy's thoughts on the Nord Stream pipeline. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he's right. a fucking pathological liar. And anyone that buys this and tilts their head back, I'm like, that's a really sweet story. And in 1960 of all time, like, it's just, that's really stunning and brave. It's like, I don't want to hear from you either. You're a fucking dolt. You have no critical thinking skills. Like, I don't want to hear your opinions on anything. I guess they just think that <clears throat> they pretty much can say whatever they want and we're all going to believe it because what else are you going to do? What are you gonna do? Look it up? Yeah. Well, maybe people aren't, <laughs> but we are. Yes, I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna look it up. I guess that's why people listen to this podcast because <laughs> we're gonna look it up. And if you, I just I get in these conversations in my head for the lefties that <laughs> that more or less don't talk to me anymore. I was like, if I had this, I'm like, have you have you looked at his voting record on this issue? And they would have a knee jerk like, okay, stop, stop. All right, just stop it with this. I'm like, I'm just laying out some simple facts. None of these are like conspiracy theories. He's saying he had this epiphany in 1960, yet he had three decades after that of like, gays can fuck right off in my book. I, you know, I need votes. Like, so I just, I don't know. Just the cognitive dissonance. Yeah, what is going on in their head? These people talk. Like, well, of course he voted that way. He had to. It was the 90s. You couldn't just come out. <laughs> it was the 90s. What? His dad. Had this opinion in the 60s. What do you mean he couldn't say what he wanted to say? Uh, The thought of two guys kissing in the middle of the street in wherever downtown he was, too. Like, come on. (laughs) Really? They're just out in the open kissing two businessmen? You know what? Honestly, you'd probably get away with it back then because it would just be so bizarre. If people saw it, they would just do like a, like, whoa. (laughs) Did I just see that? Nah. Couldn't be. How dare you? <laughs> um, you wouldn't believe your own eyes. I got to pee, and I think we should start the show. Okay. And I'm not you. I can't make it on a couple of high-altitude fucks once or twice a year. You are too much for me, ass. You sound like a horse and a bitch. I wish I knew how to quit you.
Who do you think's hotter, Tulsi Gabbard or Christy Noem? Tulsi Gabbard. I mean, Christy Noem. Hey, I'm a sucker for Hawaiian chicks. But Christy Noem's. She's pretty hot. Yeah. But yeah, I, if you had to marry one of them. Mm. I'd go Thomas Massey, I think. <laughs> just just on principles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good. That was a trick question. See? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the, uh, the conch is yours, my friend. Okay. Have you... Hold on a sec. I'm going to get me um, a beer. We had a request for a some kind of beer tally or beer, beer count, so might try to uh, work that into production center sometime. Let's do that, but let's keep it going from episode to episode. Oh, Jesus. Because every episode we each drink about, I don't know, 16, 17 beers, <laughs> and it's just going to be the same every week. So, But if we keep it going throughout all the episodes, that would be kind of cool. Not a bad idea. Okay. Have you heard of the world military games? <laughs> uh, actually, that does ring a bell. Okay. This was new to me. Okay. I'm pretty cued into this stuff. Yeah. So with the World Military Games, it's a global multi-sport event. It's for military sports peoples. And, mm-hmm. and, and uh, they go around. It happens every four years. <laughs> he said that like sport. Mitt Romney. <laughs> <laughs> I figured I, they're all in sport. I love sport. <laughs> sport. <laughs> Seven feet tall. Must have been in sport. Uh, the comedy stylings of Mitt Romney. I must say. It's called uh, Egg Cetera. It's a little play on words. <laughs> Breakfast spot. <laughs> Dude, oh, if we could make a, some kind of alternate reality where Mitt Romney was on Def Comedy Jam, oh, <laughs> that'd be one of the most amazing things ever. That is his true calling in yeah. life, not um, politics. He'd probably kill it. Everyone's like, dude, this is I like, know. This is, it's such a 180. Like, yeah. it's hilarious. It's like, come around full circle. I can't even wrap my head around this right now. It's so weird. <laughs> Just genius level comedy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, this is organized and held by the uh, body called the International Military Sports Council, or the CISM, and it's hosted every four years. The first one began in 1995 in Rome. And it, then think of it as basically, and it, it's all like military-centric events. It's like boxing, archery, wrestling, taekwondo, triathlons. It has like badminton, volleyball. So think of it basically as like an Olympics but instead of fostering goodwill between countries through this giant dog and pony show, it's done specifically to bolster up the global military industrial con- con- complex. Yeah. Which is just wonderful. We're off to a good start already. Yeah. Well, if you never <clears throat> realize that the military industrial complex was supporting both sides of every conflict, <laughs> this is a very good indicator yes. that that's true. I- guarantee those guys are on the board of directors here of the International Military Sports Council. So the last event was held in 2019, uh, October 18th to 27th. Now, remember that day because this is going to pop up again. And it was had ever over 9,000 athletes from 109 countries uh, and 300 separate events. And it went on until the 27th. Okay. At the same time, not earlier that year, not a, right around that time, 
do you remember Event 201? Mm -hmm. That same day Event 201 started, which is October 18th, 2019. Do you remember roughly what Event 201 is? Yeah, it was the dry run for COVID, right? Basically, yes. It was uh, a high-level, what they described, a high-level pandemic tabletop exercise to play out the try to guess what the realities would be to a pandemic response. Now, this is something that I want to talk about for a little bit. Even though we're not going to go through Event 201. We've already done that. Um, do you remember who put Event 201 on? Uh, Johns Hopkins? Fuck, well done, dude. Yes. Johns Hopkins. Uh, our buddies, the World Economic Forum. Right. And... Bill and Melinda Gates. Gates. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, I mean, I just assume Bill Gates. That's like the answer to that question. And uh, as we always like to remind people, this would be the same Melinda Gates who left Bill Gates after his name came up on the Lolita Express flight logs multiple times, which is the charter plane that takes global elites to Jeffrey Epstein's underage sex island. Uh, This would also be the same Bill Gates that during the pandemic grew his network by between $7.5 and $10 billion during the pandemic due to his financial stakeholdings to, I want to guess, vaccine manufacturing companies. Are you talking about the same Bill Gates that is uh, inventing flying syringes, also known as mosquitoes, (laughs) to infect people with vaccines? Same guy. Trial runs happening currently in California and Florida? Same guy. Hmm. Are you talking about the same Bill Gates that is the <laughs> largest private farmland owner in the entire U.S.? You mean the same Bill Gates who wants to literally block out the sun? Same guy. <laughs> same guy. Those two things are in conflict. If you block the sun out and own farmland, I don't you think need he's necessarily trying to produce food um, on farmland. Mushrooms. Possibly. Okay. So when you, okay, so like right off the bat, when you talk about these things like Event 201, and I've had these discussions with people, and it's like, well, you really have to look, have you looked at Event 201? And people just have that immediate, need, like, I don't know. Like, this is, this, it's, it's like an it, NPC. It sounds like Area 51. Right. <laughs> yes, I think it, they just yeah. conflate it in their mind. But it's weird. It's like I consider it like a I call it the NPC glitch. It's like, like this is not the acceptable narrative. You know, I'm not going to listen to this. Like I've, Rachel Maddow doesn't say this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when people say like, where, where you, you know, where you get this information? No, it's like some yeah, some dude I met on Telegram sent it to me. It's like no, th- these are organizations sponsored by the World Economic Forum, Bill and Melinda Gates, and Johns Hopkins, and then they make a website and they put out videos. I go and I read their papers. Like, they're not trying to hide this stuff from these pandemic response, which we're going to get to that. This is not, these, these tabletop exercises are not about a pandemic or virus safety or getting rid of pathogens. They're about the response to that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But it's the same thing when people say, uh, you know, you have conversations about Black Lives Matter, for example. Which I did have this conversation, uh, and it's like, uh, not a fan, really. Oh my god, dude, how could you not be a fan of Black Lives Matter? It's like, uh, just, well, first off, I think it's like one of the most transparent, ridiculous financial grifts I've ever seen in my life. Which, 
let's talk about this for a second. Mm-hmm. Is I was thinking about this today, dude. You cut firewood like you are packed with ideas because <laughs> <laughs> it's monotonous. It it's is. hard work, so you're like physically satiated, but your mind is just like spinning. So you weren't listening to a podcast or anything Nothing. while you were doing it. Just, just like wow. just getting in there, man. Yeah, old school, getting the yeah. ideas out. Yes, old Raw. school, old school, <laughs> man. Like your fucking dad in the '60s, who was for gay marriage, man. Just like way back in the day, just coming <laughs> up with this shit. <laughs> Is I because so the right came out and there's this huge outrage or taking a quick side street here is I was thinking about how the right had this they were like how dare these people you know Patrice color Patrice colors at all you know the 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 founders and leaders of Black Lives Matter they took all that money and bought a bunch of like multi million dollar mansions in L A and everyone like pound their fists on the table like this was ridiculous where people like us like you didn't think like what did you think was gonna happen like. People were giving them tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Like, what do you, what do you, they're going to stuff it into the stop racism machine. Like, what do you think was going to happen with that money? <laughs> and then I started thinking about, like, you know what? According to my free market principles, so fuck, good for you. You're like, you didn't steal the money. Right. Like, you asked people for it and they gave it to you. You didn't even ask some people. I was like, this, like, yeah, go buy a house. Like, what the fuck do I care? Like, you guys are the dummies that gave them the money. Like, how? I would say, like, uh, you you swindled people yeah, out of their sure. money because you told them one thing and you did something else. But actually, we knew what you were doing. Yeah, from the beginning. So kind of yeah. That's I think <laughs> that's on them. Oh yeah, <laughs> buy a house, man. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was funny. And then half you know the bulk of that money came from corporations that were just buying, trying to oh, you know, yeah. buying advertising. Yeah. So it's like you have a like, hey, we're going to give you $40 million. Because so like, hey, look, everyone, we're giving Black Lives Matter $40, $40 million. Uh, so you can stop paying attention to us using Uyghur slave later to build our shoes, Nike. No, yeah, that's the equivalent of the uh, mom and pop shop that puts uh, the handwritten Black Lives Matter sign in their window so yeah. that they don't get their windows broken <laughs> during a riot. But if you're a giant corporation, you spend millions of dollars on yeah. whatever, their protection. Yeah, J.P. Morgan Chase with the gay pride float, like. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't know they were so woke. Like, <laughs> it's, it's all woke culture is a shell game. Mm-hmm. If anything to do with woke corporations is a shell game, and you are your attention, your money, you know, your bandwidth is being sold as bought and sold as a commodity. So when you fall for this shit and you say J.P. Morgan Chase cares about trans rights or Nike cares about Black Lives Matter, like I. I don't know. God bless you. I mean, your life must be incredibly easy because I don't think you, pro- you process things critically ever. And so I think you just kind of float through life as an NPC. I got to think, though, like if you asked, let's you know, take the, the three most uh, woke friends, that, acquaintances that you have, family members, mm-hmm. and you ask them, do you really think J.P. Morgan Chase or Nike are, they care about <laughs> these <laughs> movements? They would say no. Right? Yeah. So. So it, what is it really doing? What is it signaling? I kind of feel like it's not signaling anything to consumers. Consumers see right through it. But it's, it's literally like payoff yeah. money. That's why that's it's to keep that organization from going after you. This is exactly what I'm referring to when I talk about the notion of the shell game. It's like, yeah, they're, they're, they're paying off your conscience. Like, no, 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 no. no for, first off, I don't think... Because remember we had that episode, and I can't remember, that somewhere between 20 and 40% don't have any, they have no internal monologue. They're not having these conversations in their head. They don't think, it just doesn't even scratch the surface. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Nike actually cares about Black Lives Matter. It's, that money is paying Black Lives Matter 
to not go after them down the road. Uh. When when the pitchforks come out, mm-hmm. they're paying ahead of time so that when a new Occupy Wall Street, a new We Are the 99%, which is right around the corner, mm-hmm. happens, hey, we've been paying you guys, so don't, you know, you got to consider us one of your, like, friendly corporations. Yeah. Because I don't think, I think everyone sees right through it. Even the most NPC, blue-pilled, just repeat everything I hear, like, take my mom, for for Mm. example. Uh, I think even if you asked her, what do you, do you think Nike really cares about these, the things that they say that they do on these, Mm -hmm. you know, while they have sweatshops in another country, they also care that Black Lives Matter is, I didn't even think she would say no, obviously not. So now the question becomes, who's, who's uh, perspective on this, yours or mine, who's is more pessimistic? His mind is, I was like, people are too fucking stupid to even think yeah. about this stuff. And they yeah. know, and you're like, no, uh, we're being basically quietly run by violent mobs. And so you have to pay them off for them not to come after you. I think mine's probably more pessimistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're both, yours is more dystopian. I'll give you that one. That, yeah. mine, mine is definitely less charitable for my Correct. fellow human men. Correct. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. So. Anyway, dude, getting a lot done here today, yeah, and okay. I enjoy that. <laughs> so also, to go back to the Advent 201 stuff, when people they kind of roll their eyes, like, oh, like, here you go, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And to bring it back to the Black Lives Matter thing, I'm like, well, I think it's a hilarious financial grift, which I actually have no problem with. If dummies want to give their money away, like, doesn't affect me. Like, long as it's not my money. But the problem I have with them is that they, you know, you know when these – people that are running these organizations are saying, we are trained Marxists that are seek to destroy the Western family structure. I was like, that I have a problem with. I mean, that's why I'm on this planet, the quote-unquote Western family structure, I mean, using their words. I was like, that's, that, 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 I consider that person like an enemy. And people roll their eyes like, okay, dude, like, where'd you hear that? It's like, it's on their website. I mean, it's not. They've taken it down since, but it's been archived. You can find that. And I've shown that to people. And saying like, look, I remember seeing that yeah, here, in, here, this yeah. is what I, this, and, and they're like, well, I mean, that's not all they do. They do other stuff too. I'm like, fair enough. But you know, if my neighbor comes over like, Hey, you know, that guy that lives down in the red house down the street. I'm like, yeah, they're the, he, the convicted pedophile. He's a sex offender. He's like, yeah, but that's not I, all he does. Yeah. He makes a hell of a casserole. I've had, <laughs> I was like, I'm, not, I'm not interested. <laughs> it's like that one thing overshadows all the other things. Right. And that's kind of why the hell's angels do the toy drive, right? It <laughs> yes. just puts kind of a nice sheen on this criminal yes. organization. So all this event 201 stuff, and then the other ones that we have talked about, the Crimson Contagion, the Dark Winter, all these tabletop exercises, they have websites. You can go to them. Um, this specific one for people that want a resource is at the centerforhealthsecurity.org, which shows all of these event 201 talks. And so I tell people, I'm like, these, just go to the website. Like, I'm, I'm getting my information from there, like, basically from their promo videos. So... This is what I want to talk about is that these exercises, these tabletop exercises are not, they're not about the pandemic. They're not about pandemic safety as they, as they like to frame it. And I want to put this in people's minds to reframe the way that you, and when you, I hope you at least look into some of the stuff, but reframe the way that you are processing some of this information and the way, if you can make this small change in your mind, I think you're going to start gravitating towards 
everything that we talk about on this podcast, which essentially the through line of everything is just anti-authoritarianism and yeah. anti-psychotic global elites, is <clears throat> they are constantly framing these, these exercises within the context of the strong need for a public-slash-private relationship. Now, when people like you and I see that sentence, we're like, uh-oh, yep. here they go again. But I think most people see that and go, yeah, that's, that's great. Like, it sounds good. sounds kind of like flowery and everything. Yeah. If you had to pick, quick side question, if you had to pick the global elites, right, the people that we talk about, the World Economic Forums. The- to fight in a cage against each other, like, to the death, <laughs> who would I pick? I got to go Gavin Newsom. I mean, he's got the range. Yeah. Yuval Harari's young. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see those two square off. Yeah. Uh, What do you think the greatest tool in their arsenal is? Gavin Newsom. No. (laughs) Of the global elite, of of pushing their agenda. What's what's one of their most weaponized features or like the greatest tool in their arsenal that they have been successful at using? Um... I would say, I'd say social media censorship. Okay, you put a fine point on it, but you put a you're you're right there. You and I, simpatico. We should do a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> for once, uh, I, I I went more general than that. I went. It's basically it's media manipulation, propaganda, mm-hmm. and just knowing how to use language. We always are talking about like how powerful. Just the power of like changing the language of things and changing the message can just make all the world of the difference. Because I was thinking while I was cutting firewood, it's like because if Gavin Newsom came out and just like strolled up, you know, speaking to Gavin Newsom, grabbed a microphone and said like, "I got an idea. Uh, how about you guys uh, give up all your private property, uh, your freedom to assemble, uh, your Second Amendment rights? Um, you'll get nothing. Like- <laughs> you'll get nothing and like it." Uh, we're going to, um, have no privacy. I'm going to have access to all your information and, uh, I don't know what else. Um, Hey, how about this? You guys just start eating fucking bugs for dinner. <laughs> yeah. Like, who's with me? <laughs> Everybody like, you fucking out of your mind? One guy in the back. I did actually think is that we need to cut off the 20%, particularly here in the area that we live that go like, that's what he said. <laughs> so, so you got to ignore those people. We, you, you can't help them. No, we put them in the deathmatch uh, prelims. <laughs> yes. uh, you're under the undercard there, guy with two masks on. I have to tell you. But when you reframe that as in, listen, we're going to tell you what to do to save the planet and reduce carbon and to not kill grandma and help combat misinformation and to stop right-wing domestic terrorism like that if when you reframe it like that and was like oh yeah well why wouldn't i be on mm-hmm. board of that so with 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 those ideas right i want to be a good person and i'm going to help you enforce this you know by shouting you taking the narrative and shouting it out into the ether you know at everyone i see which is what we see happen is when you see i want to explain this like when you see that private public relationship this is what they're referring to. What they're referring to is not like, let's, why don't we all kind of work together to solve this problem, this virus, right, for example, or the climate or domestic extremism. What it means 
is a, a, or some other problem that's not actually a problem, but we're going to come up with it just so we can freak you out and get you to agree to this public-private partnership. Exactly, because we talk about like why? Why is it always is funny? Like, why is it always the same solution for every fucking giant problem that we have? Ask your <clears throat> typical statist friend what are the three biggest problems facing the world right now. They're going to come up with three problems that aren't actually problems. They're gonna, or it's going to be climate. Not a problem. Uh, it won't be potential world war, world war with Russia. Won't even register. Which is a problem. Yep. Uh, especially since Iran and China just aligned and were caught on the mic saying uh, big changes are coming for the world and we're going to be making those changes. And we also just had another counter drone, counter-offensive drone strike in Syria, which bombed uh, Iranian-backed rebels, which just pissed the Iranians off. So now we have to thank for that. that the Iranians are going to go like, Russia, what are you guys up to these days? You need help with anything? It is not fucking good. If you are, and, Dude, here's the real issue. Is Trump going to do the perp walk, right? <laughs> and if he has a mugshot, is it going to be made released to the public? We'll take your calls for the next four hours, for the, or the next week until we break for the pledge drive, fucking NPR, you fucking adults. <laughs> what this means when they talk about the private, public, an enhanced, enhanced public-private relationship is what they mean an increase in the surveillance state and an increase mm. in the top-down authoritarian state. Um, if you need an example of that, or if you're having a hard time uh, wrapping around this, your head around this as an abstract, I give you the Patriot Act, which was sold to us as an increased relationship between the private and the public, which basically turned the U.S. into a complete surveillance state, which not only still exists to this day, but has been exacerbated tenfold. I mean, people's lack of privacy, warrantless wiretaps, all this, Obama, by the way. Every president has signed on for this. And that Patriot Act, as we always say, was written before 9-11 by the Project for a New American Century, which were this also the same people that said, hey, uh, 9-11, you know, the day after, they go, we're going to invade seven countries in five years, which we did. After which, for some reason, Obama was given the Nobel Peace Prize. Kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> some of the stuff, like, I don't like to f- just laugh about war, but it's just, it's hilarious, man. You killed over a million innocent people on the other side of the world, and you got the Nobel Peace Prize. Okay. Unbelievable. That's not what we're talking about. Okay. Um, Back to event 201 for a second. So they're talking about this hypothetical, hypothetical virus that reaches the world. And what the, and again, the tabletop exercise is never about what with the virus of like, how do we contain the virus? It's always about what's the government, the state, the global elite, the people, the power structure, how do they maintain their, basically their stranglehold of subjugation and control over, over uh, the, the entire population. And they go into the details of media manipulation, censorship, shutting people down, quarantining, lockdowns, all the stuff that we already see, saw happen. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, they played out the COVID pandemic exactly in 2019 on October 28th. So, interesting, wouldn't you say? Much. Okay. We're not there yet. Back to the World Military Games. Yeah. Recall that they happened on the same day, October Mm -hmm. 18th, right? A letter was recently leaked by a congressman named Mike Gallagher, who is a Republican in the House of Representatives. He's from Wisconsin. He wrote this letter to General Mark Milley and Secretary of Defense at that time, uh, Austin Lloyd, right? And he wrote this letter. He got a bunch of data from the World Military Games, which 
were happening at the same time, which was well before the pandemic, right? The pandemic was what, uh, March of 2020, we can say. Mm -hmm. I think it was the official, like St. Patty's Day. Spring break, yeah. Right. So this is in October of 2019. And he's looking at all this data and all these people from different countries got sick at the World Military Games and went back and more people got sick. And he's saying, like, have you guys looked at this? Like, we have athletes from Sweden, Germany, Italy, Luxembourg, the U.S., a bunch of other countries that reported getting sick. And now that we have the gift of hindsight, like, these were COVID symptoms, right? We, we there was no COVID testing back then, but we have no idea what it was. They all lost their sense of taste and smell. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> yes. pretty good indication that it was COVID. And um, in one athlete reports, quote, nearly empty streets in Wuhan during the games. It was like a ghost town with rumors that the government warned inhabitants not to go out. This is from a website called Project Org, um, prospect.org, sorry. But um, this letter, the actual letter is kind of hard to find because each time you go to the link, it says this page has been permanently removed. Mm-hmm. But you can find it. it. It takes a little while. But... For those of you NPCs, like, I, I, I need that legitimate media source from someone that fucking continues to lie to me. Like, you can find this at the Washington Examiner, the Washington Post, the New York Post. Like, they've all, they're all doing, starting to do stories on this. So just type in Representative Mark Gallagher, Mike Gallagher, and uh, General Milley. It'll come up and just and put in World Military Games. Because they're saying, like, is the world, we're starting to look more and more like the World Military Games might have been the origin for the, the, the initial outbreak, Right. What does that have to do with the streets of Wuhan being empty? Want to take a guess where the World Military Games are being held right now? No. (laughs) Yes. Really? Yes. Okay. In China. (laughs) Wuhan. Specifically, Wuhan uh, hosted the World Military Games in October 18th, 2019. And this is when we're seeing the first uh, effects of symptoms of what we know to be COVID, which was well before the pandemic. But I'm not even close yet here. All right. <laughs> it gets more fun than this. Cool. <laughs> so this is interesting so far. Would you not agree? I would agree. Okay. But it's not like Deagle interesting, right? No, nothing <laughs> is Deagle interesting. It's not- Booster rage interesting. <laughs> okay, I stand corrected. Nothing is booster rage interesting. It's definitely not Tom Cochran leveraging his 90s hit life as a highway to continue the, the corporate stranglehold of the African shipping lanes and infrastructure to benefit multinational corporations interesting. Would you say? I would say it's not. <laughs> okay. But we're getting close, are we not? I got a video to show you. <laughs> okay. Uh, take, uh, let's talk about the lab leak theory for a second, the okay. lab leak theory. So we often talk about the notion of the limited hangout, right? Yep. Do you want to maybe, what's just your construction worker <laughs> contractors? Yeah. The lim- script uh, of the, what, what, what would you call the limited hangout? Just the, the limited hangout is, uh, I would say it's a, it's a, uh, a stopping point on the way to admitting Mm-hmm. the truth and perfect what the uh powers that be will do is give you a half truth yeah and then act like everyone has known that this half truth half truth was true all along and so by the time the full truth comes out it's just so watered down and right and and easily you know 
walked through the front door. I, I, no I, one reacts to it. Exactly. I very uh, actually very drunkenly explained this on Friday night to someone. Said like, well, imagine this. You have two people on a boat. One of them is uh, denies the existence of ice. They're anti. They're anti ice pe- people. You know, they ban it. They work. Maybe they work for uh, the industry known as Big Water, and they, they don't want ice to exist. Big liquid. And, and you are on the boat, and you go like, "I believe it. Ice exists." And you come up on the boat, and you come up, and neither one of you know anything about the world. And then you see an iceberg. You're like, "There we go." Right? Is it obvious? And the guy who works for Big Water goes like, "Okay, yep." Uh, from where the water starts to the top of that iceberg, that's where ice exists. When the vast majority, obviously, if you, um, if any of your nerds about icebergs <laughs> exist under the water, obviously. So, yeah, so goes the truth with the idea of the limited hangout. It's also some of this stuff. So when, what do we, what do we talk about when we, the, the lab leak theory is like, I think a lot of this has to do, you know, it's a simple like Occam's razor kind of philosophy. It's like, isn't it? I mean, what else could it be? It's like, no, it's, it's a, from a wet bat market. Like, I don't, I mean, I, I'm not a virologist. I can't tell you, but that's how we come to our conclusions. Like uh, the most, the most straightforward, simplest, less variable explanation is that it came from this virology doing gain of function, function research on novel coronaviruses. Does that make more sense to everyone? instead of like a wet, wet bat being pulled out of a bucket, that's how we come to our conclusions. Like, would you not agree? Uh, I would agree, except that um, new evidence has come to light. Oh, Parents, yes, new evidence has come to light. Have you heard of raccoon dogs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, great name for a jam band, but go on. Apparently, uh, the raccoon dog is responsible really? for the origin of COVID. It's not, uh, it turns uh, out it didn't happen in a, in a lab. Really? Yeah. Are those purebred or is that a I can get you one how does that happen? I know I know a guy <laughs> Do you know <laughs> yeah no have you heard that 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 uh, I have. the New York Times is now saying like oh everyone hold on pump on, the brakes on. on this it's lab on. leak conspiracy theory we found the missing link it's the raccoon dog <laughs> Um, really? Well, that's fine. If you guys want to deny the lab leak theory, because, um, I'm not going to pull you into my camp, but, uh, this is something that I started calling in my head this weekend while I was working the Liberty tree pivot. And Ah. the Liberty tree pivot is, is we are very, very cued into the idea of the limited hangout. And I don't know. It's because we're contrarian assholes we're very, very skeptical, yep. and we have, you know, as we always say, my ability to perceive simple pattern recognition doesn't make me a conspiracy theorist. Like, what does that mean? Well, if someone's wrong or lying over and over again, I just assume the next thing they say is going to be a lie or fucking wrong. So as one of our mind is want to do, when the mainstream, you know, we spend two years going like, it was from the lab, it was from the lab. It was from the lab. Like, how can it not be from the lab? Like, this is ridiculous. Like, you guys are wrong about vaccine, mass, social distancing, everything. So you're wrong about this. Like, just that's how the math works. It's from the lab. Then mainstream media comes out a couple weeks ago and goes like, it might be from the lab. And mm-hmm. what do we do? We don't take a victory lap. We're like, uh-oh. Yeah. Where's it from? What's coming next? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not from the lab. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Okay. But with the idea of the limited hangout, it does fill in that gap. It's like, why would they admit now? Right. Yes, they, exactly. They're the backs against the wall. It's like, I, uh, I, I assume just, all nefarious intentions for, attributed to everything that you say and do. They're just slow walking exactly. the truth out. Exactly. So that we don't consider it the truth when we finally hear it. Have you heard of, are you familiar with Fort Detrick? Fort Detrick, Maryland. Maryland. Just because I used to live in Maryland. Awesome. So yeah. do, you, do you know what it is? No. It's a... Uh, I mean, not, not precisely. Yeah. Well, what it is now is the Integrated Research Facility at Fort Detrick is part of the Interagency Confederation for Biomedical Research and resides at the National Interagency Biodefense Campus. Sorry for all the words wow. there. Yes. They are a, a virology and biowarfare lab okay. in Maryland. Um, they focus... Right now, this is according to them. Again, like this isn't like this guy sent this to me on TikTok. By the way, don't have TikTok on your phone, kids. Is they study high consequence pathogens? Is their specialty? Biowarfare. Also, when you hear high consequence, going to say what does high consequence mean? Is you say like, tell me you're studying gain of function without saying you're studying gain of right. function. Like that's what they're doing. Yeah, that's what high, high consequence, consequence pathogens are. Really, really bad. So. What's wrong with that? Like, someone needs to study these pathogens, right? And, like, it's all good. Like, what's the problem? So I do a little digging. Because the first thing that I saw is I was looking at these articles about the World Military, military Games, and Fort Detrick kept popping up. And each time it did, all the hair in my neck stood up. Like, kind of, uh, you know, like when I hear Kamala Harris speak, I'm like, eh. <laughs> like something's Well, good. I think that the, <laughs> exactly. the, the concerns are based... I dust off the old copy of Sidney Gottlieb's Poisoner in Chief, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is where I read out Fort Detrick. Uh. Fort Detrick was the original lab picked by the U.S. Army, because at the time, they thought that uh, Japan was developing a biowarfare program to unleash against China. And so the U.S. Army built Fort Detrick, picked it as their biomedical biowarfare campus to start a germ warfare program. Now, since then, it has evolved to what it is now, high-consequence pathogens, what they're saying, uh, as in gain-of-function, as in how you come up with a virus like COVID-19, which we're going to get to in a second. But apropos of not much, but still interesting to people like us, uh, Fort Dietrich was also known for, at the time, they're like, they, what they t- were taking black prisoners, bringing them back there, Stop me when this sounds familiar. Blasting their minds with LSD to see if the CIA could develop mind control programs. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. Really? Yeah, the old MK Ultra. God. And uh, they lost slash destroyed all of their records in the early 70s, uh, magically when the Church Commission started investigating the CIA and their MK, really? MK Ultra programs. Yes. But we did <laughs> find these documents of what they were doing to prisoners. And then they're also, you know, we know that they're doing biomedical warfare research, germ. They're starting to, trying to develop at that time the germ warfare, you know, program for, you know, the Cold War and all this stuff. Right. So, yeah. Pretty sordid history of this place. So things are getting more interesting here as I'm going through this. The CCP, did you know that Fort Detrick is a household name in China? No. Yes. Really? Yes. Okay. So much so that when I think their Ministry of Defense came out and said, you guys need to, it's not Wuhan, you need to look into Fort Detrick because 
I think there were COVID cases at Fort Detrick way before we saw any in Wuhan and way before the, the military game, the world military games. Who came out and said this? Uh, an official for the Chinese communist Chinese. Chinese did. Yeah. So take that, you know, as a grain of salt, mm-hmm. of course. But then the CCP recently submitted a petition with over 25 million signatures asking the WHO to investigate Fort Detrick. So if you are, really? yeah, this is something you'd never hear. You'd think you would hear about this, right? So just as in, so now like, you know, your NPC who just wants to believe what's on mainstream media is going to go like, you're just parroting communist Chinese propaganda at this point? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you, you know, when I said that the U.S. blew up the Nord Stream pipeline, you call that Russian propaganda. Well, it sure looks like it blew up that pipeline. So when, when that's people's reaction, I'm like, yeah, you can call it whatever you want, but it means nothing to me. Yeah. Of course. <clears throat> so, quote, this, the petition also pointed out, this is interesting, that Fort Detrick Biological Laboratory suffered a laboratory incident in July of 2019, causing the U.S. Centers for Disease Control to shut down the facility on August 19th due to serious safety violations, in particular relating to the disposable disposal of dangerous materials, or lab leak, that is believed to have caused strange vaping sickness and a strange flu in the U.S. at the same time. Hmm. So here we have, in July of 2019, Fort Detrick, Maryland, they have an incident which results in a bunch of people getting sick with the exact symptoms that mirror COVID. Okay. That we know in hindsight, we look back like, that sounds like COVID to me. Okay. At the time, like, these are strange flu-like symptoms, like, we don't know what it is. Okay. Time for some questions. Yes. And I want you to riff on these. Yes. And did, the, did the pandemic financially benefit people, helping shape policy for the response to it? So this would be your Bill Gates, your Anthony Fauci, your Scott Gottlieb's, Pfizer, Moderna. These are all people that shape help shape policies for the policies for the pandemic. Did they benefit financially? Clearly. Yes. I mean, especially the very, pharmaceutical companies. Very much so. In, Obviously. In the tens of billions of dollars. Yeah. I mean, almost $10 billion Bill Gates alone that we know. Okay. <clears throat> Did the pandemic overall benefit the status and the agendas of what we know as the global elites? Their status? Well, their status in the power hierarchy. How about that? Um... Like cause a reshuffling of the, the, the status of political elites? Did they did political elites overall benefit during the pandemic? I don't know about that. There were more billionaires became obscenely wealthy during the pandemic. But that kind of goes back to the first question. Right. Their status though, if it's just based on finance, yeah, then sure. I guess the status I guess the status as far as their ideology, I guess what I'm looking at. So when we talk about what do the what what would be your elevator pitch for what like what global elites want? They want more of a top down authoritarian yeah control, more centralized more centralized government control, global. So did they achieve that? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, the ball went closer yeah. <laughs> to, to the end zone there. Yeah. Would you say there was an increase or decrease in top control authoritarian power? In other words, an increase in the state. Definitely an increase. Right. Would you say that the pandemic was good or bad for the agendas being proposed by, this is just the World Economic Forum, top-down global control, vaccine passports, increase in the surveillance state, increase in power and resources for global organizations like the WHO? So this is, we had an increased increase control of governors, right, mm-hmm. of Congress, of the federal government, 
Now, do we see that same increase? Like, we don't have an official global structure, right? We don't have a, an official like, global leader. I mean, goddamn, they're fucking trying. <laughs> they're, trying yeah. they're trying hard. Yeah. But we do have organizations that they are trying to use, basically, as that mechanism. So, like, the WHO would be a perfect example. So, remember, like, Biden just signed... Um, the global pandemic treaty over the WHO, which right. basically where they were have them, them supersede U.S. sovereignty give them like the, in case the power of emergency. To, yeah, to take take control of the U.S. health right uh, apparatus in an emergency. It's amazing how most people don't know that. You tell them like I don't, I don't even believe it myself sometimes. <laughs> so I got to go back and double check that one because I'm like when I first saw that, it's just like be true. I'm just gonna ignore this for a couple of days. <laughs> I gotta like process this in my mind. Okay. If the pandemic was intentionally run as a hypothetical psychological experiment and how large populations can be manipulated, subjugated, and controlled using fear, would you say that this experiment was successful? Um, so let's say... I'm hesitant to say yes. Yeah. I know the answer is supposed to be yes yeah. on this, but I would say, yeah, overall it was successful, but it also had some a lot of... Uh, negative in their eyes externalities oh absolutely it, it really woke people up yeah. to this kind of stuff too so it was successful but it also who knows it might have also kicked off the greatest resistance to global control i definitely the think there's time. something to that hence this podcast well exactly and i'm ha- fucking hanging all of my ha- hats on that hook like this has to be the case we have to have all woken up because of this but hold on a sec. I'm gonna get me um, a beer. If it's not the case, then we're all doomed. So yes. So we got to We can only believe one thing. So you know, what? I'm gonna not, say no. It was a failure. I think they fucking failed. I think they went a little too far and woke a sleeping mass out of their slumber. And uh, we're gonna see the positive externalities i appreciate your optimism uh i don't agree with you but i don't entirely disagree with you either so um okay last one did the covid measures strike you as being excessive as in a lot of it just seemed like theater or almost like a dress rehearsal like for something else i have no idea what you're talking about. No. <laughs> seemed very measured and <laughs> well thought out lot based on Pure logic, nothing else. And when I wrote, I'm definitely leading with the question when I say dress rehearsal. <laughs> That's something I'm going to get here. Okay. So, uh, our buddy Bill Gates. What do we know about him? Vaccine fanatic, uh, authoritarian psychopath. Yep. Uh, deep, Lover of deep underage po- girls. Yes, yes, pedophile. Um, that we call that makes a hell of a casserole, though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and um, depopulationist, right? Yeah, believe that the global population needs to be. And he said in that TED talk, you know, if we do a good job with our vaccines, we can get that population down by ten to fifteen percent. And I was like, what the fuck did you just say? Yeah, er? <laughs> what? <laughs> and said the quiet part out loud. And so. Winged no. syringe enthusiasts. Yes, yes. Wants to weaponize uh, mosquitoes to carry vaccines across the world. I mean, what could go wrong with that? And then we also know that we, I think we've done on, oh, this must have been last year that we did an episode that got into Bill Gates, that we know that 
what we know when he calls him when we call him a depopulation is yeah is what that is, it, yes <laughs> depopulationizer is that <laughs> what that means is eugenics because when you talk about it's not depopulation like we just need to wipe out so many people that's depopulation which is grotesque and macabre and makes you a fucking psychopath but he, when he's when he's saying it he's saying like yeah now i already have the people picked out though that makes you a eugenicist Bill Gates is a eugenicist. Sure. He was raised as a eugenicist. His dad was a eugenicist. His dad, Bill, G- Bill Gates Sr., was an outspoken eugenicist, mm-hmm. who also helped run and found Planned Parenthood with Margaret Sanger, who was also an outspoken eugenicist because she wanted to do something about the Negro problem. No one brings that up. I think it's kind of interesting. Can't say Negro. Okay. I didn't know that. I'm, it's a quote. We don't want me to do. So take this right from me. So I bought this new chainsaw, right? Right. <laughs> and I'm cutting firewood. And like I was saying, I'm just like, I looked up all this stuff, but I had like no conclusion, right? I, didn't, I wasn't going anywhere with it. I just was like interested. So I'm just like reading, reading. Oh, wow, fucking Fort Detrick. Oh, geez, MK Ultra. You know what I mean? And you just keep going, going. World military games. Wait, that date looks familiar. Holy shit. Like that's the exact same time, you know, they're holding Event 201. That's kind of weird. I mean, it's not... Just the same day, big deal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, there's not a. This wasn't some aha moment. But the more I started looking at stuff, is I would take breaks, go cut some firewood, and just like let shit kind of ride around in my mind, <laughs> just kind of stare off into the middle of distance with a running chainsaw sitting in my lap. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what does this all mean? So, we live. I know you agree with this, so maybe for the proverbial listener, would you not agree that we live in a bizarre, like state induced complacency that where we at first deny and then begrudgingly admit that the people in authority, the state, the federal government, the global elites, that they don't have, they have no problem going to the other side of the world and bombing the shit out of, I don't know, Seven countries in five years. Anyone, and, really? <laughs> anyone? Yeah, we got we got fucking numbers to make. Yeah, Raytheon. Seriously, <laughs> it, Lockheed, bombs aren't going to bomb Martin. themselves. These bombs aren't going to bomb the shit out of themselves. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and we begrudgingly admit, like, okay, mistakes were made. Over a million people, innocent women and children, were killed. My bad. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Like, what? <laughs> okay, I'm so I'm sorry. Hey, you got to break a few eggs. You're going to make an omelet. You know what I'm saying? And we experience this cognitive dissonance when you go like, so what's to say that they wouldn't do that to us? It's like, no, 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 no. Our government would do that on the other side of the world. They'd never do anything like that here, MK Ultra. Ruby Ridge, Waco, Oklahoma City bombing, Japanese internment camps, the Patriot Act. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, they would. They don't give a fuck about you or brown kids on the other side of the world. Like, people that can't break their mind out of that way of thinking is kind of fascinating to me. So, is it outside the realm of possibility that COVID was intentionally released, right? And they're doing these 
tabletop exercises, and they're all about like how do we keep, how do we maintain control, how do we keep our agenda, push it, push it, keep going in the same direction. How do we not lose control of the population? How do people not freak out, start rioting in the streets? How do we not, they start toppling their own governments? Is it outside the, the realm of possibility that COVID was released on purpose as a dry run for what's really going to come here down the road? Because think about the survivability rate of COVID. It was made in a lab. That's, that's irrefutable to me at this point. Yeah. Either in Fort Detrick or Wuhan. Looks like Fort Detrick, to be honest with me. And can you think of a better way to spread a man-made pathogen to the rest of the world? than going to the world military games. I mean, they brought it back that we can trace to 68 military bases in the U.S. alone of people that participate in the games. And then from there, they spread it, spread it, spread it. The vast majority of those flights that flew the soldiers over to the world military games was flown out of SeaTac Airport. Washington had the first significant spike in COVID cases. And this is before the pandemic. <clears throat> it was just strange flu-like symptoms. So would it be outside of the realm of possibility to at least consider, I'm just asking the question, that this was man-made in a lab, which I think it was, either Fort Detrick or Wuhan, and then brought to the World Military Games as basically a man-made super spreader event so they could run the dry run simulation of when the next probably man-made pandemic happens that actually is deadly, like the one they just simulated in Crimson Contagion, which is what happened after Event 201. Event 201 directly mirrors what happened with coronavirus. Remember, Crimson con Contagion actually affects kids and kills people. We talked about it. Oh, the, uh, the other dry run. Yeah. yeah. And so now like, we have to run the dry run on this. This is like the dress rehearsal, as I referred to it earlier. It's like now we can see, you know, that's why we had all these excessive measures, you know, shutting down schools and social distancing and like all the stuff. Like none of this makes sense. Like this virus has a 99.97% survivability rate. Like why are we shutting down businesses and schools? This is stupid. It's like it's be done on purpose. This was the dress rehearsal for what's being planned for down the road. Yeah. Or I, they don't sit in a lab with a computer and knobs that they can dial up like the contagion and the death. Yeah, the, how deadly it is. They don't. They don't really know. They do the best that they can in these labs. Is it possible that they actually were trying to kill all of us, and it just wasn't that deadly? That was option number two. Y'all don't hear me though. These record labels slang our tapes like dope. You could be next in line and sign and still be writing rhymes and wrote. You'd rather have a Lexus or justice, a dream or some substance, a beamer or a necklace or freedom. Sister like me don't play a hate, I just stay awake. It's real hip hop and it don't stop till we get the popo off the block. They call it hip hop, hip hop, hip hop, hip. It's bigger than hip Crazy shit.